Okay, welcome to a very special bonus episode for our beloved Patreon supporters. We are doing an episode on Deadwood, my favorite TV show of all time, um, one that I hope many of you have already seen, and if you haven't, hopefully this bonus episode will inspire you to watch it. I It's one of those shows that I don't know anybody who has watched it who doesn't like it, who doesn't love it, pretty much. Yeah, I... Yeah. <sighs> It's it's moving up to be my number one too. Like the, every time I rewatch it, I'm like, I don't know if any other show achieves this level of greatness. Um, Sopranos is usually my number one, but you don't. Deadwood is three seasons. It's tight. Sopranos yeah. has some bad episodes. Like you can't lie. <laughs> right. Um, I agree. That's my problem with the Sopranos. It's not its fault. Like yeah. if Deadwood had gone on for six or seven seasons, it would have had yeah. some kind of dead weight too, but it just didn't. And in some ways, going off the air when it did just left us grasping desperately for <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They they teased us. That, that always works. Yeah. So um, we're going to do our top five Deadwood characters. It's a show of amazing characters. Um, some of the best characters. I, I mean... Yeah, we'll talk about Al Swearingen because he's not even eligible for our list because I think he might just be the best television character in TV history. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) So we'll see if we have any overlap on our list. Uh, We have one bit of overlap that we didn't expect, (laughs) and that is in our bourbon. That's right. I ran out to buy bourbon, sort of, because you can't record a Deadwood episode without drinking. It just feels wrong. So I ran out and I bought uh, my what became my favorite bourbon, Angel's Envy. And sure enough, when Tamler held up his bottle, he was drinking yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> Complete coincidence, yep. but a good one. I I rarely am out of bourbon. Either. <laughs> I try to take make sure that that won't happen. It's uh, toilet paper. On the other hand, we may soon have some trouble finding. But I don't understand. Bourbon. <laughs> I don't understand that. But yeah, I went and bought a bunch of liquor actually, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck toilet paper, making a liquor run." <laughs> <laughs> Who? Yeah, what's the deal with the toilet paper? Do you? Know? I don't like. It's not like coronavirus gives you diarrhea. I don't understand it. It's just hysteria, you know. But it's hysteria that affects us because if you just want to buy norm toilet paper like a normal human being. I have to use my hands like an animal. All right. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite characters. Let me give just the briefest of brief summaries of the the setting of the show for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, I I don't think our list will be spoilery at all. Um, It's not really a show that can be spoiled, but... um, if you know, obviously, if you've seen the show, you'll know who we're talking about, so it'll be more enjoyable. But uh, for those who haven't and who don't mind listening to spoiler, yeah, will eventually be light spoilers when we talk about the characters. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, here is what the setting of the show is, and I'm going to quote Jim Beaver, the actor who plays Ellsworth, who spoiler alert may appear on my list um he wrote the description on imdb just the show summary uh i think especially for season one this sets it up the town would sorry 
Let me start again. The town of Deadwood, South Dakota, in the weeks following the Custer Massacre, is a lawless sinkhole of crime and corruption. Into this uncivilized outpost ride a disillusioned and bitter ex-lawman, Wild Bill Hickok, and Seth Bullock, a man hoping to find a new start for himself. Both men find themselves quickly on opposite sides of the legal and moral fence from our... From Al Swearingen, saloon owner, hotel operator, and incipient boss of Deadwood. The lives of these three intertwine with many others, the high-minded and the lowlifes who populate Deadwood in 1876. So it's this fascinating overlap of real-life characters, real-life events. Deadwood, South Dakota really was this uncivilized outpost. This was uh, North and South Dakota didn't become a state until 1889. Um, and so it was a, a town that w- that was where people looked for gold and tried to protect themselves against outside forces. Yeah, created the, by the lawlessness David. that is like the the you know, it's all, it's a the lawlessness of these towns could feel like a trope in in these westerns, but, but that's just how it was. Like this was the expansion of people into the west, and and for for anybody who's not familiar, like especially our international listeners. Um, these just really were uh, people people looking for gold, people uh, in these towns where there was no government yet. And that ends up being a central the- uh, central plot point of Deadwood is sort of how they start forming a, a de facto government. Yeah, and in a, a community. Yeah. And these people don't know each other um, for the most part. They're strangers, but they all happen to be in this town and they it turns out that the nearby hills do have gold and so then it really the show just becomes about this ragtag community of people in a in a it's a hopeless battle against (laughs) the forces of capitalism and political corruption um, who are trying to invade and destroy the town and the community um, I don't know what, what 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 do you love about this show? Well, I mean, there's the obvious part, which is the the language that these characters characters use. Like the writing uh, of uh, the dialogue is amazing. Every time I watch it, I, I'm consistently just amazed at the eloquence with which they speak. Um, but I also love the the reality of how they depict the West. It's ugly. It's dirty. It's, um, it, it really, that there's no, there's very little romanticizing of, of the wild West. You see it in all. It's just, it's great. It's grossness. Um, yeah, it's foul mouthed. Yeah. And it's foul. Yeah. That, you know, and, and the, I guess the story is that people didn't really use those words, but they cursed a lot. It's just curse words were different back then, but the writers knew that what they wanted to do was communicate the, the tone of, of the speech, not, not the accuracy of the words. And so there's just, there's more curse words per minute of show in this than I, than I think in, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know what show would have more. According to Wikipedia, the show had 2,980 fucks and an average of 1.56 fucks per minute of footage. That's like me in college. <laughs> yeah, it's like it. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so the language is incredible. David Milch is a true genius of dialogue. He wrote most of it in iambic pentameter, and if you actually listen to the dialogue and you try and you try to break it down, you can see it. You know, in, a, in, a, in a, uh, most of it, I didn't know that. It's, that's that's fucking awesome. It's incredible. <laughs> and he would just be on the floor. He had a bad back, and he would just be on the floor, just. Uh, quoting and having someone write down what he was saying, he went over every script and made it in that kind of musical brilliance that he that really only he can do. It's uh, it's really it's a perfect. They're perfectly matched, David Milch and this setting, um, and the actors. You know, they deserve so much credit for being able to. To pull that off, I, you know, there's not many people I think who could who could deliver those lines um, so well. So, and we'll talk yeah. about them, the characters, and, and often like given a new script like right before they were about to shoot because he was crazy. constantly making changes. That's and I remember s- reading an interview with Ian McShane who plays Al Swearingen, and he was. Uh, asked about that like how was it to have these like really long monologues handed to you five minutes before you were supposed to shoot that scene and he said you know it wasn't it wasn't bad i'll tell you what's bad is when you're given shit dialogue to learn in like 10 minutes bullshit exposition but this was poetry and i've like spent a lot of time learning how to recite poetry so i could you know that's great that's great so those are some of the things i love you'll probably talk about the real like the real things are the characters and the character development over time i think that's you know yeah, that's you can't. Good dialogue will go nowhere if you don't have amazing character development. Yeah, I mean another couple of, like I don't, I don't want to make it sound too bleak um, because it's probably the funniest of the prestige dramas. Either that or The Sopranos. I guess yeah. The Wire too, but I think it's funnier than both of them at its heights. It's definitely not politically correct. Um, <laughs> And, and and even when the larger struggle has a kind of futility to it, it there's the the bonds of the characters and the humor and the relationships give some reason for hope in the darkness, some light, you know. And in that sense, I think it's very much like The Wire, where you know the institutions are lined up against them, and they can't win that battle, but they can still have relationships if. Uh, uh, as as a as a way of surviving, yeah. The moments of the moments of true humanity that the characters show, you know, and and I guess we could talk more about this, but but it it, sound, it seems like it might be a very black and white uh, setting at first, like a traditional spaghetti western, maybe. But um, but the characters gain this complexity, and in that complexity, like the one of the ways that they gain this complexity is is the people you think are bad showing this deep humanity and i i was just watching um to to get in the mindset of this i watched uh, the series the season finale of season one um -hmm. which has so many great moments uh and and it was bringing me to tears to be honest like it was so there's so much in that particular episode um Remind me what happens at the end of season a, one. A lot happens. Uh, so that's when, um, 
Swearingen Mercy Kills the Reverend. It's Ugh. when Bullock beats the shit out of uh, Alma's father, who's trying to scam her or to take her money away. Um, it's Just a when- despicable character. <laughs> her dad. Terrible, terrible character. Um, it is when uh, this is when the cavalry comes through town and they hold a parade for them. But like the there's a magistrate and a couple of, of generals or something who and the magistrate is clearly a crooked guy who's trying to get bribes from Al Swearingen to try to persuade um, the the powers that be to make to annex the territory of of Deadwood. Oh, yeah. And uh, he Silas he just, kills him, right? Silas just fucking like a pig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a pig. Mr. Wu. Uh, that's when Seth Bullock puts on the sh- the sheriff's. Uh, badge he finally takes uh, it away from the the guy yeah yeah he would have uh, been resisting that the whole first season because yeah. he had just been a sheriff and now he wanted to just run a, a shop yeah yeah very but wired. that's like the first yeah very wired up and <laughs> that's the first time he decides to take responsibility and yeah it's like the the town is becoming a community now you yeah. know right yep. and yeah that uh, that yeah. continues it's a good episode it's it's yeah i think it's my favorite episode um but a lot a lot happens and just in the moments this is also when doc doc gives this monologue you know basically ranting against god uh begging him to to show the reverend some mercy um and let's just get to talking because this is these are moments that that really matter for my list (laughs) yeah well let's talk about al first because we said we can't. We can include him as one of our top five because I think he would just definitely be number one. Yeah, it's just um, But let's let's talk about why he might be the best television character in history. Um, yeah, I, we've t- we've mentioned him before. I think on our anti heroes episode. Yeah, and our he, villain villain episode. Um, yeah, and and in fact, we all Paul Bloom, you and I also didn't put Al on our list in that episode right. because it was so obvious. <laughs> it was too obvious. But I mean, he, he starts out in the first few episodes. He is. I, I wouldn't say evil, but you. But he's a really, bad really guy. bad guy who probably was going to kill Sophia, a small girl, for having witnessed a murder that he didn't think was prudent to have witnessed. And he doesn't, uh, both for circumstances and maybe some glimmer of conscience, but that's how we're introduced to them, to him. And then it's not that he becomes a good person necessarily, but he becomes a real hero in the show because he is the center of this community. And he that's all he wants. Even the bad things, the morally bankrupt things that he does are for the town and the community to stave off the threats from outside and i think you forgive him for a lot because he's not in it for himself he's in it for the for the town and because he's willing to do the dirty work that other good people aren't willing to do including god yeah, <laughs> he, yeah that's right like like what you just said with the reverend so he uh, as you mentioned before, mercy kills the reverend, which provides a relief. Seizures and and just like toward the end of his life is is just in a constant uh, sort of hallucinogenic fog, interrupted by seizures. Right? Yes, and he's in so much pain and so much confusion. 
And even Doc can't bring himself to end. And so he's praying to a God he doesn't believe in, but Al just takes action. And that just sums up his character right there, that he's the one to get it done, that they turn to him. They actually wanted him to do it, but uh, they didn't. They they didn't want to stain their character. Uh, That's right. To do he's, it themselves. He's just he's just not afraid. It, you're, what you said is true too. That that sort of as the show progresses in the first season, you come to realize that he, that he cares so much about. It's not that he's not self interested. Um, it's that he is also really really willing to do whatever it takes to for the sake of the community in a way that is not obvious at first but that is you know this is what gives rise to many of his 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 more hero moments the other thing yeah. is that he is the most competent person on the show he's yeah. he's a pretty brilliant guy and he he's uh this is one of the things that make him a pleasure to see is he's always a couple of steps ahead of most other people and i love his intolerance of the stupidity of those around him <laughs> right though he does just doesn't respect the stupidity around him but he's being a leader he's he's being a little bit of a of a totalitarian leader but that's because these people i really think he thinks at least needed that kind of leadership. Yeah, no, that's right. And in fact, the only thing I would maybe uh, add to that is I think when it comes to Hearst, the villain at the end of the second season and the third season, that's the one guy he can't really think two steps ahead of. And in fact, just the, the single minded ruthlessness of, of Hearst is something that Al doesn't, you know, his superpowers are are kind of uh they they, they don't they can't get the job done in that instant. And that's yeah. why the show ends in such a tragic way. And and those moments when when Al is vulnerable to Hurst are the moments that make you realize that he's become the person you're cheering for, <laughs> like so clearly, right? He also gives my favorite quote, maybe from the whole show, although I'd have to watch it again to to be sure. But it's, um, do you remember this scene? I think it's in season two. I'm pretty sure. Merrick, the journalist, has had his uh, his newspaper office ransacked. He's been uh, he's been beaten. And he's he's thinking of giving up. He's kind of crying, like um, the the Hearst has sent a bunch of goons in there to try to make him publish only articles that are in favor of Hearst and his enterprise that's coming in. And so he's sitting there, kind of feeling sorry for himself. And Al comes in, and he starts slapping him. And Merrick's like, "What are you doing, Al? Because they're on the same side. Right. Like, what what are you doing?" And Al says to Merrick. Pain and pain or damage don't end the world, or despair, or fucking beatings. The world ends when you're dead. Until that, until then, you got more punishment in store. Stand it like a man, and give some back. I love that. So quote. great. In fact, I think that I used it to open one of our episodes um, in my little in my little opening quote section because it's so fucking good. <laughs> That's so fucking good. Um, yeah, yeah. I you know. Ian McShane as an actor 
it is incredible uh, if you see him in anything else. But this is the role that he was meant for. Yes, this is, he was born to play. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine anybody else doing it. I can't or doing it well, especially not doing it well. Um, uh, I just I, his performance that he should win every Emmy. I don't know. I don't. And I don't think he won any, which is yeah, it's just a, a fucking like, tragedy. It's a total disgrace. You know that he almost didn't get the role. Oh, no. That the role was... uh, The actor who plays Cy Tolliver. What's his Uh, name? Oh, yeah. Powers Booth. Powers Booth, right. recently passed away, yeah. Yeah, he was going to get it and got sick. And then they gave it to Ian McShane. And so they... And then David Milch gave him Cy Tolliver who comes in midway through the first season so I guess he got better but that was a lucky break for all of us I don't think Powers Booth could have done anywhere close to the job that uh, I mean so Powers Booth is is I think you know I I can see the show having Powers Booth what I because Powers Booth plays a really good villainous role in Tombstone, the movie Tombstone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's good here. But what would have been missing is probably the classical training that Ian McShane has to deliver this yeah. stuff. You know, like he's masking a British accent, of course, um, or Irish. Uh, I think British or Welsh I mean, or English, something. I should say, yeah. or Irish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's what, it, what the eloquence I think would have been missing. Um, yeah. All right, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into this, it. Um, this was hard, by the way. It, it was it was very hard. It was very hard. In fact, we can't, we'll, if we have time, we'll have to give our honorable mentions. Cause, I, I, I have to. Like, yeah. I won't be able to live with myself yeah. without doing that. Okay, so can, can we just say real quick, uh, like, so I tried to stick to what might be considered the main characters, um, but my real rule was who who am I really every time they're on screen, who am I just deriving the most pleasure from? Like their performance. Mm-hmm. Um and whether it was because they were written very well or because they were just good at performing. So Yeah. yeah. I don't know how I chose this list and when i look at some of the honorable mentions it makes me sick that they're not on (laughs) on there but i i tried to mix it up a little bit i definitely had that rule where if you gave me a ton of pleasure just in your performance and um then then i then i tried to put you on it although some people aren't aren't still um but then i also tried to represent also different aspects of the show yeah um And I only have one cheating one. <laughs> I'm glad you. Uh, and, and, and did you do uh, some quotes or like your I favorite quote from these do, characters? No, I didn't do favorite quotes. I, I should have if you did it. Now I feel like. Well, I mean, I sent you in the outline. Did you say quotes? Yeah. Well, you know, I had meetings all day. So. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> but they were meetings in my mind with my dogs, but still. <laughs> Now that I can't talk to Eliza's stuffed animals. Oh, at the end of the episode, I will give Eliza's top five. She texted me today. She wanted us oh, me to cool. read her top five as well. Uh, cool. So, um, are yours in order? With... Uh, sure. 
All right. Yeah, mine mine are in in some order. Um, yeah. Do you, you want me to start? Sure. All right. I got Cy Tolliver. Um, <laughs> in as much as we said that he could never be Ian McShane, that's true. But I think Powers Booth uh, represents evil in this show in a way that balances um, Swearingen, right? So yeah. by contrast, and uh, he he makes he makes Al look like a good guy, and I think he he comes into the show a lot earlier than my memory has him come into the show. I think it's like second episode or something. Um, and uh, he, he personifies evil. And I think the right, so the writers give a lot of quotes. Um, I mean, they give him a lot of lines that make him actually seem like, like Lucifer, right? Um, they have him dressed in red. I think I, I think it presented this, this theory uh, before yeah. uh, that, that he's very Satan-like. They have him say things and allude to things um, that sound like he's the devil talking and they make him truly evil. Like he has zero. He does mercy. a thing with his tongue too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like a snake. Kind <laughs> yeah, of. yeah, yeah. He is, and he's always dressed in this red outfit. Um, uh, yeah. In fact, I found a, a fan theory on Reddit that uh, you know always turn in to turn to Reddit for for sure fan theories. Um, yeah, he's he. Like I think he's a great, great actor, but I think that his lack of mercy in his actions—he just has zero heart. He's cold. He's cold. With Swearingen, pretty quickly you see some caring in his eyes, even with his relationship with Trixie. So both of them run brothels. The way that Al is when when he's treating Trixie well. He's loving her. You never see Cy Tolliver loving well, anybody. He I'm not lo- sure I agree. He likes Joni. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to stick to this because he thinks that he loves Joni, but I think he just wants to possess Joni. I- Possibly. I think he there is a part of his dark heart that uh, that loves Joni and is feels deeply betrayed by her getting a new brothel and the fact that he lets her do it even if he's you know like not he throws some tantrums about it is i think some evidence that he really cared for her now she did kind of say i will kill myself if you make me stay here so <laughs> yeah. um but still um I, I the one the thing i don't love about the devil theory is it's it's not that far into season two where he's already out of his league in yeah. terms of yes. evil yeah. when it comes and, and and Hurst and Francis Walcott, who's actually my number five, um, okay. like he's uh, he he qu- quickly finds out that there's small time evil and bad guy, and that's what he is, and then there's big time evil yeah. bad guy, and that's what Hurst and Walcott he's are. He's very much the local evil, and Hurst does upset the balance of this, right? Like, this is this is your neighborhood evil agent, and Hurst represents the world outside. Because um, Cy Tolliver is just a pimp through and through. I think his the yeah. way that he treats Joni is the way that a pimp thinks that he's showing affection to his horrors. Um, 
and I, in a right. way that I don't think swear engine it really is. Um, no, swear engine's feelings for Trixie are deep, deep, deep. deep. Uh, deep so let's deep, go to yeah. Hearst then. Your number five. Well, no, Francis Walcott is oh, my. Oh, oh. Uh, he's my number five. I wanted to pick a villain, <laughs> and he is. Um, he's about as villainous as they get. Now, Hearst is the sort of representation of capitalism at its worst. Walcott is his errand man, errand boy. But he has this problem, which is that he likes to beat whores and also kill them. And it's never fully clear what makes him do that. But he is sick. I mean, he's he's a sick, terrible guy. But like all the characters, maybe with the exception of Hearst, he... Even he, like, he does a, in the middle of season two, just a horrific massacre of six prostitutes in Joni's new whorehouse. So that's over. Her whorehouse did not last very long because all of her prostitutes were killed um, by Francis Walcott. And you don't think you could hate this guy any more than it's possible to hate a character. But then he does something... Not close to redemption, but it is, in his mind, the best he can do at that time. He gives Charlie Utter, who has just kicked the living shit out of him in the middle of the town, um, he gives Charlie Utter the letter from Wild Bill Hickok and allows Charlie Utter and Jane to finally read the letter that he wrote for his wife and to take it back to his wife. And it's that little grace note there that the show gives to him that is, um, that's one of just, it's, it's so beautiful. He also gives, so I have two quotes from him, one very short, one very long, but there's a very, I, I won't read the long one, but I'll just describe it. Cy Tolliver tries to blackmail him, says he looked into his history and finds that, uh, and, and he discovered, you know, that he has a penchant for killing whores. And, he, you know, you wouldn't want Hearst to find out about this, would you? And he, he, he has this great speech to him, which is, the, the bottom line is, Hearst already knows this about me, but it doesn't get in the way of him getting gold and, and accumulating more money, so he doesn't care, and now you overplayed your hand, uh, and he, he concludes it, now I should think, in consequence, now recognizing yourself as a man past his time, that during this last transitional period, you would devote yourself with grateful and quiet diligence to such uses as others may still find you suitable. It's just great. Like and and Cy Tolliver is just like like his dick has been cut off. <laughs> like he'd been building up to this kind of, you know, trying to get the power back in their relationship and he thought he had it and then no. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But I'll t- but let me just give you my favorite quote. It's just yeah. uh two two sentences. Uh <laughs> this is after we find out every horrible thing about him. And uh that guy from Yankton one of the, gov- uh, the guy I forget I think he's uh, he's some sort of official from Yankton coming in in this cowardly way to try to blackmail Tolliver and Al and he reads this uh, 
this decree from the government about how, all the different ways they're going to fuck the town over. And, and then he leaves the tavern, and Francis Walcott says, I am a sinner who does not expect forgiveness, but I am not a government official. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so he is, um, I mean, he's a psychopath, right? Like, the moments, the moments of, of kindness strike me as the charm that is often attributed to psychopaths because it seems as if like he like even Hearst is instrumental in his evil and and the way that um he like his yeah the way that he just kills like just cuz he seems to want to kill those those prostitutes is just pure fucking psychopath and he's weird i don't, I don't so know the, the reason he's not on my list is because he's so creepy and weird that i never enjoyed his like him yeah yeah i don't know like so i think he has a compulsion and you know a horrible compulsion yeah. but i don't know if he's a psychopath i think he does feel um i think he feels guilty for what he's done and that's why he gives the the letter back yeah that's not just charm right that's yeah maybe yeah, yeah i agree that he's creepy as all fuck yeah but by the way yeah. do you remember I, that I, oh go ahead sorry so his oh by the way the actor's name is garrett dillahunt and he also played a different character in season say. one that's exactly yeah. what i was about to say yeah he, yeah he, he plays the guy who who uh killed well bill right Right, shot him in the back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jack McCall. That Un- was his character. Unrec- I mean, one. it's unrecognizable at at first glance, at least. Like you, you could watch this and not know that it was the same guy. But when you watch it again, it's ob- yeah. it's obvious <laughs> exactly. in season one. But yeah. But how many times have you seen this show? By the way, three, three, I think. I think four for me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> It's so good. All right. It's so funny. Like, like we keep singing the praises, but it's so rewatchable. Like, you could could have it on a loop. (laughs) Yep. You could Uh, just, right. It could just be the thing you turn on as soon as you get into your house while you're just doing dishes or whatever, making dinner, cutting Uh, up the the stuff from HelloFresh, which actually takes like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) They say it takes 20 minutes. Um,. All right, so here is one working my way up. Uh, I, so I debated about this. Maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna cheat. Um, Jane, Calamity Jane. Yeah, I think her performance is amazing. His and if you know the real, like if you've seen the actress in anything else, she gives just one of the best. Like I don't know if she's been recognized for it i I don't know if she she won any awards for it but the way in which she plays a poor sort of pathetic alcoholic soul who's just lost after the death after the death of wild bill she's just lost in this world she has zero idea what she's doing but has a heart she has just a a great heart but is also just the most cantankerous fucking bitch in the like you can imagine (laughs) she's just constantly 
constantly cursing out Charlie Utter, the only yeah. friend she has left in this world. She the only person who bothered. deeply cares about her. Yeah she, yeah, she just cannot be bothered to to deal with even the mildest of inconveniences. And these inconveniences might include urinating in a designated area. <laughs> right? like, um, she then, she shows... This amazing heart, though, in the way that she both deals with the sufferers of, of um, smallpox. Smallpox, yeah. right? Um, I think she, so, yeah. She becomes the doctor's assistant. And you realize there that if, if, if she's given a purpose, she can, she can pull herself together. Um, but but it, that's hard because she often finds herself just right back where she started, uh, probably because of her severe, severe alcoholism. I mean, it, it must be difficult to portray a character that is uh, const- like 90% of the time inebriated, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and fighting herself and fighting like anytime somebody wants to help her, her first instinct is to curse them out. And <laughs> exactly. she has some great – she has some great uh, – cursing like she she's up there with al as just oh i uh, know just the poetry of her cursing comes that yeah. comes out of her mouth um she also j- just in another time when she demonstrates a lot of heart is when she's um caring for sophia um you know you really see the person she could have been maybe um and sadly you know i think in the movie she's just the same right I, like i don't I, yeah i mean you there's some thought that her and Joni are going to have a relationship. Joni is, uh, it, it, it turns out, a lesbian. You find that out pretty early in season one when uh, a, a young Kristen Bell yeah. comes, to, comes to town and takes advantage of the fact that she's a lesbian and almost but definitely doesn't rip off Cy Tolliver. <laughs> and that's where you see the evil of Cy Tolliver right, right there and how he deals with uh, Kristen Bell and her brother. But um but the but yeah, like she it it seemed like in season 2 and into season 3 that they could be like a couple almost, yeah. but it, I guess it didn't turn out that way. You find yeah. out in the movie. And it's kind of cute like the way that that uh Joni brings her out of her shell. Like it's you know, I it's it seems as if uh Jane also based on a historical character. Um uh Joni Joni is? No, Calamity Jane. Oh um, Calamity Jane. Yeah. yeah. Um it seems as if she wouldn't even have realized she was lesbian. Um right. exactly. <laughs> but there's at some point when uh when Joni is bathing her, I think, or maybe afterwards she says well, go ahead and kiss me if that's what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's quite wonderful. Like, I can't stop you. You know, yeah, you have yeah. me helpless Fine. here. <laughs> Fine. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, and and you really uh, you really end up caring for her, even though she's she is the worst self-defeating uh, person. There, there's a really sweet scene, I think, in the second season when, uh, but possibly the third, when she is... So the the Seth Bullock's wife yeah. um, is running a school and brings her in kind of as a guest speaker to the kids, and she's so nervous, and uh, but she gets herself cleaned up, and then she yeah. and then the kids love her, and she's so proud, and it's just beautiful. It's like one of those real moments of light in that show. Yeah, and it's really tender, like the way that she cared for Wild Bill Hickok. Um, 
yeah at one point she has his coat and that's like her ultimate possession you know she's yeah yeah it's great both charlie and her yeah all right uh robin weigert is the actress's name and i think that she delivers one of the best performances in the show all right right, here's my cheat you didn't cheat i didn't yeah i saved mine i saved mine for later because it's kind of a minor character yeah so dan doherty johnny and jewel now i'm grouping them together my cheat so let's let's yeah, okay. Jewel was my cheat. <laughs> low key, one of the best. <laughs> yeah, great, okay, great on. character. I, I grouped these three together because they all, with the slight exception of Dan, are targets of just verbal abuse, constant <laughs> verbal abuse from Al Swearingen, and yeah. yet they are so Johnny, loyal Johnny, to him. Right, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, okay. Johnny, yeah, yeah. Jewel, and Dan Doherty. <laughs> Um, Dan Doherty is kind of his right-hand man. He's his wee-bay from The Wire. Like, he's a rock. He's solid. Johnny and Jewel are more like Johnny's the bartender when he starts out and kind of second in, in, uh, to Dan. Jewel is the crippled, that's how she's referred to, um, maid. She cleans up. She makes breakfast. She just does, and, and she has this... Uh, bad leg that she's constantly dragging around, which which Dan hates, and that and and that makes her seek out the doctor in season one to get uh t- to to get a, a a new brace that will help her walk better. And one of the reasons she gives is she doesn't want to annoy Al, yeah, that, <laughs> by dragging around her leg anymore. You're right, Al. Al when Doc tells Al that he's made a brace. And it, yeah. all, the only thing he says is, is that going to stop her from fucking like making noise every time she walks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it's in the finale, the one you just watched, right? Yeah. When when she and Doc dance at. Uh, oh, I don't uh, know if it was in that. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Now I don't remember. That's beautiful. I, I cut it off, but like early. Um, but she's oh. great. Johnny is just kind of an airhead, but very funny and right. He's and, such a ditz. He's he's yeah. there. He is there for comic relief. <laughs> and also that he's also there at the like he's one of the saddest characters at the end of season three when they kill the prostitute Jen. Yeah. I think her name is Jen or Jenny instead of Trixie. Because Al won't give up Trixie, and so they yes. kill his, someone that he clearly loved, Johnny, and he has to suck it up. And he and that's that's one of the worst things. Like the whole end of season three is is awful uh, in terms of how you feel for the characters, but that's the worst. And Dan Doherty, I love these kinds of characters who are just I am with you, right or wrong, no yeah. matter what. And when he goes out and beats the shit and kills actually in a man-to-man combat the the right-hand man of hers the craziest it's seared in my memory that fight yeah. scene yeah yeah <laughs> so i've put them all they're loyal to dan targets of verbal abuse like on on on, on a loop but i loved them all too and they're they all take kind it of, in stride i mean the, yes Jewel, the actress is actually disabled. You might, if if you're as old as as us, you might remember her from Facts of Life. Um, she mm-hmm. was <laughs> she was there even back then. Um, the when when she smiles, like when Doc gives her a brace and she smiles, 
mm-hmm. it is just one of the most heartwarming things. She she takes it all in str- all these characters, the three characters you mentioned, take it all in stride. But Jewel just does is unflappable in her in her cheeriness. Right, the one of the people who is shit on the most by life and by Al. Um, so yeah. yeah, Johnny sometimes just looks confused when he's getting <laughs> yeah, he's, yelled at. Uh, he's high on incompetence. <laughs> <He's very laughs> my, high. my dog Omar is like that. He, <laughs> it's like I'm 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 yelling at Omar, and it's not even fully registering to him that I'm angry at him. He's just kind of looks at me and blinks, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I see Johnny sometimes. I mean, yeah. sometimes he knows that he's fucked up, but he rarely knows why he fucked up. Well, he's not, and he's not burdened by being intelligent in the way that's <laughs> like, it seems like a real bliss uh, to his ignorance until that's that time that you mentioned where he's, he's told basically yeah. it's either him or this woman. Right. And he's yeah. not going to pick. And he's very good hearted, you know, like that's the more than Dan, even like Dan, I think, is willing to do some pretty bad things. Johnny really, I mean, he, he, he may end up doing some bad things, but the, it's not in his nature to be yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, we're, that's we're, my whole cheat. I'm done with cheating. Oh, good. This, yeah. that was our number three. Is that right? That was my number four. So, but you've also, you're on number three. Okay. Uh, my number three, uh, <laughs> Mr. Wu. I had to put Mr. Wu on there. He's my first honorable mention. Yeah, he's a he's a mine he's a fairly minor character. But the scenes with Wu and Swearingen are among my favorite (laughs) Swearingen (laughs) scenes. Uh, Mr. Wu's like Peak Deadwood is (laughs) is Wu and Al. So so Mr. Wu is the um is the Chinese uh like he's he's basically the Swearingen of Chinatown. Um, he, yeah. he runs everything in Chinatown. So, um, he has to deal with Swearingen, uh, because the, you know, the Chinese part of town brings a lot to the economy and, and they, they have to cooperate and there's a lot of prejudice against Chinese people and, and Swearingen respects him in a way that no, you know, most of the white characters don't respect the Asian characters. Um, yeah. and he's also high in competence, but he's, he's. He never speaks a word, a real word of English. Um, he says some broken uh, things in his English. Um, but one of my favorite scenes is when there are, uh, he is, so two Chinese people have been killed and, and Wu is demanding blood for blood, right? Uh, eye for an mm-hmm. eye. And so he wants two white guys killed. And uh, Swearingen at first refuses them because because. As respectful as he is, obviously a China a Chinaman isn't worth the life of. <laughs> so he finally well, and, and the ta- like he says maybe they are, but like the town won't, but mm-hmm. the town won't accept mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does things like that. Like he makes them enter and exit through the back, not because he Swearingen cares, it's yeah. because of what will other people think? Um, but Mister Wu, when he's demanding justice. Uh, he he's learned from Al, I guess, what words uh, to say. He says, "To cocksucker." <laughs> yeah, he, he says cocksucker a yeah, lot. Like, cocksucker, cocksucker. Cock. And swedgen, 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 swedgen. Um, Mister Wu, you get, you know, he's he is 
you get the you get the idea that he cares a lot for his community. He's he's taking care of them, um, but he's also pretty fucking ruthless. Um, whenever the town needs to dispose of a body, they give it to Mister Wu so the pigs uh, can the uh, pigs <laughs> Mister Wu's we'll little pigsty will will eat them. Um, so uh, so just just because he brings in so many good scenes, uh, I, I've picked Mister Wu. So this is the actor is Keon Young, and he um, he was recently in Michelin. Oh, sorry, Men in Black Three. Yeah. Also playing Mister Wu. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say about him is uh, the the writer. He does a lot of TV recaps. Why am I blanking on his name? It used to be for the Newark Star Ledger, then for. Um, for Uproxx, Alan something. He wrote a book on, yeah. on Sopranos. Oh. Alan Seppenwall. And um, he would do these recaps of Deadwood like afterwards. He did, he did it when it first came out, but then he did it for people who has, have already seen it and were doing a rewatch. And Wu, along with a, a bunch of other actors, would go in the comments and talk about the show. And Keon Young talked was uh, was really upfront about you know how some people might be seeing his character as racist because of the cocksucker yeah and swear swidgen and you know he was very thoughtful about it very reflective and explained why he didn't think this was racist and um, and and I and, you know one thing I will say about this show it is. I, I don't remember anyone getting mad at it for all the any of the politically incorrect things that it does, right. and it does pretty much all all of them. Like anything you can imagine, yeah. it does. I mean, they get away with a lot in in that it's any reasonable person who who is <clears throat> understands the historical context. I think um, wouldn't object. Like it's not. It, it doesn't feel objectionable when you're sucked into the world of deadwood um it yeah. feels sad to <laughs> that people are treated that way but but yeah and and also but so like you could also say well it people were racist in 1876 yeah. which is certainly true but it takes joy and pleasure in being <laughs> in all the various ways it can be like anti-semitic racist oh, yeah. <laughs> i mean like it 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 doesn't just kind of accept it as like a like it it revels in its ability yeah. to do that this show yeah. and yet still i think people are okay with it because these characters are treated with respect right yeah yeah Agreed. All right, my number three is, and I'd be surprised if he wasn't on your list, E.B. Farnham. Yeah, he was my next one. Yep. All right, so let's talk about E.B. Uh, um, uh, when you said anti-Semitism, uh, <laughs> when E.B. was running for mayor again, or I think, uh, <laughs> his speech... <laughs> He delivers this anti-Semitic rant, and he's he's uh, he thinks he's trying to be sly about it, but uh, yeah. uh, he, the, he makes this gesture to his nose. Uh, yeah, when he's pointing out that Saul Star is a Jew. Uh, yeah, uh, everything that comes out of his mouth, um, it's unclear why Eb is well. Uh, maybe it is clear, but he's he's intelligent. He's not dumb. 
he's, he's well just, spoken. He, he's well spoken. He just doesn't have the right personality type um, to be a leader. He wants to be, but but you know, I actually have a, a long quote from him on oh, this good, issue, good, good, good. and he has some great monologues. But here he's talking to um, Richardson, who is the one person treated with less res- well i don't know if he's treated with less respect but he's kind of a like an idiot in the old sense of the word yeah right um an like imbecile. in the dostoevsky yeah. sense. what an imbecile an imbecile that's the word yeah. yes exactly he's kind of an imbecile um and so eb farnham who can't get the respect of anybody in town really um it treats him like shit but also <laughs> treats him as a sounding board so when he's treating him like shit he says to him could you have been born richardson and not egg hatched as i've always presumed <laughs> he also says did your mother hover over you snaggletoothed and doting as you now hover over me but he if it the thing that i show people to to give them the example of the language of of Deadwood is E.B. scrubbing the blood off of the floor. Yes. Yeah. Wait, E.B. does that? Because Al is constantly scrubbing. Yeah, it's when blood. E.B. is doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's when E.B. is doing it. It's toward the beginning. And he's he's just monologuing about uh, how he has been lowered to being the one to scrub blood. Um. <laughs> so here's a I think like a, a, a little monologue that he gives that is very true to his character. So he's talking uh, to Richardson here, using him as a sounding board and thinking of possibly betraying Al in favor of Hearst, who is stronger, but he doesn't feel good about it. So he says, he says, it is no disloyalty to be a realist, Richardson. We are mortal. One hopes for the best. One perseveres. One reevaluates constantly. One is an asshole if one doesn't. Loyalty expanded is not loyalty betrayed. I contemplate no disloyalty to Al Swearingen. I feel exposed. I don't like being weak, and I know that I am. I yearn to rely on a stronger will. I fear what I'm capable of in its absence. Whereas you, Richardson, know nothing of yourself. Are you shitting or going blind? Or on foot or horseback? You vile fucking lump. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but, like, he is very self-aware. Oh, uh, and the thing that he, he is aware of is that he is not a strong person. Yeah, that's right. He uh, as much have dignity the, he, as he tries to have, he does not have the guts to get things done. Yeah, yeah. Um, can it, I just give a little bit of the blood scrubbing scene? Sure. Uh, this absolutely. is when he says, uh, "Why should I reward Eb? He's, he's pretending to be swear engine. Why should I reward Eb with some small fractional participation in the claim, or let him even lay by a little security or source of continuing income for his declining years? What's he ever done for me except let me terrify him?" every goddamn day of his life till the idea of bowel regularity is a forlorn fucking hope. <laughs> <laughs> that's just show like that's, that's just like a normal, like it's, that's not like one of the, that's just like that. that there's like 10 of those that yeah. just come at you every episode. Just <laughs> yeah. these works of perfect, like perfectly articulated brilliance. It's just <laughs> awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's a great character. He's a comic. He's comic relief, too. He really is the butt of everybody's jokes. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. And and you, and you feel bad for him because he he wants to be stronger than he is. He wants to be better than he is. He just can't bring himself to actually do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um he he is as you said, just intelligent and self-aware enough to know exactly how badly he's mocked by everybody. Um Yeah. Oh, Johnny. yes. He knows he knows too well. <laughs> Uh, and and the, his, I just love his clothing. You know, like a he he's always dressed formally, formally, but you know, yeah. there's a little dust on it. You know, it's like a little, a little frayed, a little dusty. <laughs> he's like when Eliza Doodle shows up at um, uh, at Henry Higgins's house in My Fair Lady. You know, like tr- dressed how I'm she laughing, thinks it, it, it yeah. is proper. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Right now. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, so that was my number two. Two, yeah. All right, so I'll give my number two, and that is Ellsworth, um, yeah. played by Jim Beaver. Probably the most thoroughly decent, yeah, character. Just yeah. good, good-hearted, but also strong enough to actually bring about good things. Um, he is foul-mouthed but big-hearted i mean he um uh, he and he he marries alma because yeah, the way that he cleans up from the beginning of the show sort of to the yes. alma parts is is quite incredible like yeah but 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 good heart best yeah best heart maybe the best heart in the whole show i think like so. just uh and and you know he he marries alma knowing that she is pregnant with another man's child and he is going to be the husband that everybody knows is not the one that Alma loves right. and not the one that she is having sex with. Right. And uh, he's also really good with Sophia, the adopted daughter of Alma. And they, they, they are a very good team. And, and when he is brokenhearted and betrayed... It is when she goes back to doping and he feels like he has to stay away from the house and even stay away from Sophia. It is a a real stomach punch, not to mention what happens at the end of, uh, yeah, but I I guess we, we don't have to spoil what happens to him later, but, um, but, uh, my quote from him and you know, you could just look up Ellsworth quotes, but it's very short and fuck us all anyway for the limber dick cocksuckers we are. <laughs> I love it. He's also uh, high in in um, competence. Like he's he's yes. uh, he's the one who is is tasked with uh, assessing the land of Alma for gold um, to reconnoiter, as they say, or reconnoiter the land. And so he's a working man, like, uh, but, but he is, as you say, like his, he's strong. He's not weak. He doesn't, he's, he's, uh, not one of the town fools. He's not one of the people out for gold, um, at the, who lives at the expense of others. He is, he gives an honest reconnoitering and he just plays the honest man role so well. Yeah, without being like uh, pious or sanctimonious Absolutely. in any way, 
He yeah. is. Uh, he can swear with the best of them. He can insult people with the best of them. But he just—he's too good. Like there's a way. He's almost too good for the show, in the sense that he really—he really won't. He's not like Dan, who will do horrible things if he thinks that's what Al wants. Um, I, I don't think people could turn to him for for that because it's just too much against his nature. Yeah. Yeah, good. All right, my number one. Yeah. My number one is, again, this list was hard. I've omitted people that I really liked, but I never had a doubt that this would be my number one. And that's Doc Cochran. Uh, hmm. Doc Cochran is, is a tortured soul. He is uh, constantly irritable, but nonetheless performing every duty of his as a medical doctor for the community, the only medical doctor for the community, performing every single duty of his, truly caring for every single patient um, to the point where he knows he's one of the only people who curses at Al without having bad shit happen to him. Um, yeah. he, because, and when he curses, you know, it's because he needs to get the fucking attention of the person who he's cursing yeah. at. Right. He curses at jewel when he gives her the boot because, uh, and he says explicitly, that's because I need you to pay attention to this. If you have any symptoms come to me because you'll lose your leg. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, tortured. He's a civil, turns out he's a civil war doctor. And uh, as people might know, the civil war was just a fucking bloody, bloody um, war in, in the United States where medicine was, you know, this was pre pre penicillin days. People were routinely having to saw off limbs on the battlefield. So he saw the worst of the worst. And he's, I think that he's clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress um this sometimes he's barely holding it together and and yeah he's like he gets really sick in one of the seasons yeah yeah that's right um but his his cynicism combined with his his cynicism doesn't prevent him from doing the good things that he's trying to do the the care that he shows for the reverend when he's in his seizures is is just one example of this um and he and he's often clearly selfless, like when he's dealing with the pox outbreak, you know, he's putting himself at risk for the sake of healing others. Um, yeah. But the, the prayer that he gives um, when the reverend <clears throat> is dying, the, the scene that we already mentioned, I'm going to read a little bit of it. He says, if I was a more adaptable primate or one of your regular petitioners, I suspect I wouldn't feel this pain, I guess. I'd have a wad of cartilage covering the patella, protecting me from this, this discomfort. Jesus Christ, just please, God, take that minister. What conceivable godly use is his protracted suffering to you? What conceivable godly use? What conceivable godly use was the screaming of all those men? Did you need to hear their death agonies to know your omnipotence? Mama, mother, find my arm. Mommy, 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 they shot my leg off. It hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. Uh, yeah, it makes me weep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's some combination of Jesus and like a Kantian wet dream because <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. 
he does all his uh he, he does his duties as a doctor flawlessly i mean just yeah. he will never take time out for himself he's always putting himself for his patients and that's really what he cares about and he also seems to endure and take a lot of suffering on behalf of others um that's right it's constant you're you're right he's taking a selfless battering He's yeah. he is the 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 sac- constantly sacrificing himself. I like this Kantian wet dreams slash Jesus. Um, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's what you want. I think the Kantian wet dream is what kept him off my list. Although he's a very high honorable yeah. mention. I I love Doc, and he also yeah when he would when he had to be foul mouthed, he could do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he oh he definitely and he's I like him because he is not um, he is not an Ellsworth who's always sort of gentle and kind to the people he's caring about. He's never gentle and he's hardly ever kind in word. He's always or, yeah. or in demeanor. He's always just pissed it's off. Something, right? He's, yeah. He's him and Jane are a good match in that way. Yeah, you know, that's right. when they're both taking care of people, they're both like kind of insulting them at the same time. But you know that they're looking out like there's nothing more that they care about than their right. best interests. So I had a I I, for, I forgot I should have asked you if you could have guessed my number one. It sounds like you probably couldn't I would have. not have. Yeah, because yeah. um, I would so have thought I, that your number one was my number one. Is your number you, one Charlie Utter? No. He's my another just sad honorable mention for me. Okay, then then I'm not sure who your number one is unless it's you're sticking to your people and picking Saul Star. No, it's <laughs> Trixie. Uh, yeah, I deeply considered Trixie, um, but yeah, go ahead and tell us why you. I'll tell you. Why I mean, you. I think Trixie is, you know. If Al Swearingen is the like obvious, like he's he's the man that is keeping this town going. Trixie is his the only one who comes close to being his match, and yeah. the fact that Al loves her and the fact that he, Al is letting her go and be with Saul Star. Thank you, Jews. Get the the competent whores, Saul Star I guess, of but David. Still. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she is also another one, like Ellsworth and their friends, l- f- utterly foul-mouthed, but so good-hearted, starting when she helps Alma cr- uh, get off uh, Laudaman, which is, I guess, the heroine of the time, yeah. and goes against, and in fact, m- you know, goes against, goes behind Al's back in doing this. He wants her to still stay addicted, and she risks a lot of pain and su- and, and suffering to, to help Alma. She's there to make sure that, that uh, Al sends her there to make sure that she stays addicted. And But when she sees that Alma really wants to, to break it, she... Um, and just the whole... The, the whole way that her and Saul Starr's relationship develops and the fact that she knows at some level that Al loves her and still has this relationship and she's just a strong, good, kind of beautiful character. Just the way she insults Saul Starr, she, she has some great... <laughs> when she's being taught how to keep the books 
in, in their bank. She uh, she will let out a lot of good anti anti Semitic slurs and insults, uh, but she loves him. And uh, I the quote that I picked for her was I think uh, she says this to Saul: "Tread lightly, who lives in hope of pussy." <laughs> Yeah, uh, Trixie is is. If there's a soul of the town, I think she's the yeah. soul of the town. Um, yes, she is exactly. Deadwood can't be Deadwood without her. Um, so, like some of the other characters, as great as they are, aren't so central. As you said, her relationship with Swearingen uh, is a big part of showing us who Swearingen is. But Trixie, on her own, her character development over the seasons is really, you know, is really nice to see. She's yeah. she is uh, clearly a very intelligent person who has just found herself in these circumstances. And yes. Saul is what we call Captain Savaho. He saved her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's Al's bottom bitch. <laughs> yeah, but. She, uh, but like, I guess, and this was true of a lot of bottom bitches. There's a, there's deep love there too. Yeah. And, uh, and, and respect. And she respects Al. Um, and I think it's not a surprise that the movie kind of centers around her and her wedding to Saul and even her pregnancy. I think I, I get the sense that she's a character that, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, David Milch really loved and really wanted to give a good send off to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah. you're a soul so, of the town. That's exactly right. Yeah, she is the so. soul of Deadwood in, in some ways more than Al in the, because she is, you know, she's not, she doesn't have the stains that Al has. Right. But but she does represent sort of the bad parts and the good parts of of the, of the town. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. I can't, I can't add to that phrase, soul of the town, because so, I really think. A uh, couple interesting things about our lists. Yeah. Uh, well, let me quickly Neither tell Seth you, Bullock or Alma. I was thinking that same thing. Um, but yeah. quickly, why I didn't have Trixie on my list is, um, yeah. is that I, I, she was close, but her I didn't enjoy her performance as much um, as the others. Um, but in any objective list where we're not just picking our favorite people, she like Mr. Wu shouldn't be on my list. It should, Trixie should be. Um, but that's, the I, 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 that's interesting because I thought it, I think it's a fantastic performance, and she's one of the few of the actors that I haven't seen in other. Uh, in yeah, other, I have seen her shows in something. Oh fuck, what was? I don't, I don't know. But but it would but be remember, hard. Like I just yeah. think of her as Trixie. Like I I didn't think there was a false note to her yeah. performance yeah. Um, at all. I, the, it it they're all great. Uh, yeah, and I'm looking at my uh, honorable mentions now, and it's just. But, I can't believe that some no, of these I know, but 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 I do want to talk about because I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, no, Seth Bullock, and Seth Bullock is ostensibly the main character, right? Yeah, um, and it's not that I don't like him. I like him. Uh, I like the actor quite a bit. I do too. In fact, yeah. Justified is if if you're itching to see a show and you haven't seen it, Justified actually has a lot of the 
actors uh, from Deadwood uh, make an appearance in Justified. And Seth Bullock, I mean, the actor plays essentially, Timothy Oliphant is essentially Seth Bullock, but in, <laughs> in today's. He's great. He, Timothy Oliphant is great. He, uh, he was recently on uh, Mark Maron's WTF podcast, and he just seems like the best guy. Yeah, ever. he really does seem like yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he he's very he's he's kind of humorless, which I think probably kept him off both of our lists. Yeah, yeah. Um, his I I don't yeah. It's weird because the things that he does, I think I are like both both I like and really important to the plot. You know, he's. He swear engine sort of needs a foil, and and he is competent there. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's willing to beat, you know, to beat someone's ass. Um, yeah. If if he needs too willing to. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, too willing. Um, but but yeah, I think that he is he his his humorlessness. He doesn't give us. In fact, he's written to give short phrases. He he doesn't yeah. give us as many of the rich uh, dialogue, as much as of the rich dialogue as the other characters. Uh, Alma, Alma, also not on our lists. I found her character to be annoying. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't know. There's nothing other to say. She is the. She is just a thorn in people's side. <laughs> I mean, she has her moments when yeah. she steps up for the city, you know, for not for the city, for the town, um, and doesn't take her, um, her, you know, doesn't sell her plot, at least initially, to um, Hearst, and she does it to keep the city going and to keep the city sa- or the town safe from from Hearst, uh, that is, that's really, you know, heroic because she's taking, she knows that she could be killed for that. Yeah. And yet, and, and, you know, their whole love story, her and Seth Bullock is a big part of the, sh- the show. Yet, um, she did not make either of our lists. And I, and I suspect she didn't come close. No, no, she didn't. It was clear to me that she wouldn't make it. And I, I shouldn't say I, I was a bit dismissive when I said that she's a thorn in everybody's side because I think that she shows strength as a character. Yeah. I just didn't particularly – there was nothing that made me like her. I, I don't know. Yeah, and it's – you know, those are two big characters with a lot of screen time. And it's not that it's it's bad – when they're on screen, it's just not, it doesn't, it's not as great as when everybody else is on screen. Right. Right. Um, all right. Should we read some of our other, uh, let's, let's, I'll just go through, or you want to go through yours? I'll go, I'll just, uh, Saul, a great character. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he is the, the straight man in, in the, in the comedic sense. He is always sort of, he is the most balanced man in, in camp. He's normal. An, he, he, it feels like he's me. Like if I were there, like I, I'd just be like, "Whoa, come on!" <laughs> There's a nice moment that they give him where he has to train Silas to pretend to be somebody who knows about like treasury business or something <laughs> like that. And and Al has been pretty mean to him because he resents the fact that he's having this relationship with Trixie. But then Al just says, look, this, we're not doing this for us. We're not doing this out of, like, this is for the good of Deadwood. And then he's like, he takes a moment, and then he's like, all right, I'll school him. 
It's like it's a moment of dignity. Like he kind of pulls up his suspenders and, you know. Uh, that's funny. I had um, Doc Cochran, Charlie yeah. Utter. I can't Charlie, believe, like, I, I feel I like you should have made one of our lists. Charlie should be on the list. I, I feel like Charlie not being on our list is uh, a mirror of the way that Charlie just never gets too far on the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, he, uh, he he's overlooked the, on the show and yeah in our list but he's a great great character like a, so loyal so unbelievably loyal and kind like he you can tell that he's not uh he's still rough in his manner but um but he actually care he's so vulnerable and cares so much about jane and gets shit on by jane um yeah. you could tell that he was uh you know he was wild bill's best friend and and um, that that Wild Bill respected him that much as his friend says something about who he is, and and, and you believe it, you believe it, yeah. And um, and Bullock comes to to really really turn to him, right? He he's somebody who can also get things done when he needs to. Yeah, when he needs to, they don't turn to him that often, no. but when they do, um, they know they can count on him, and he he's very true. There's yeah. a bunch of these characters who are just true. Like, you know you can count on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like somebody who made it on mine, although very short-lived, is Wild Bill. I think that Wild Bill, yeah. the actor who portrays him and the way he portrays him, has a, such a presence on screen that you he is as alpha as you can get. Um, he is He just looks like somebody who is respected. Um, yeah. And, What's and the character's I, name? It's it's Carradine, right? It's one of well, the. Yeah, he's Car- Carradine is is his name. Keith Carradine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he has this he has this long flowing hair. You know, he's in he, good posture and talks with authority and never lets anybody uh, walk yeah. over him. And I think that his presence resonates through uh, the the remainder of the series, um, especially. In, in at least Jane's mind, I think that he's, even though he's no longer on screen. Yeah, and he's, uh, he uh, is suicidal, you know, like he's yeah. trying to kill himself in season one. He yeah. he is he is on this self-destructive path. Both Jane and Charlie Utter know that he's on this and self-destructive path. And it's breaking path. their heart. And it's breaking their heart. And, he, and there's this one speech he gives where he just tells them, like, you can't save me, essentially. It, it's not in those words. It's all subtext. But it's... Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yo, go ahead. I, I think Eliza, who was texting me her list, uh, she ended up changing it. But one of the things that she said that I liked was, Joni, when she's not really depressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was Joni's her number great. five. And I think that's, like... That's right. Like, Joni was a good a great character and I, and I love that actress she was also on Treme she's great in Treme but um the, she went through this gloomy period that is really I, I think supposed to represent some sort of realistic depiction of depression and and I think you get it you get the weight of it the heaviness of it but it is a little bit of a bummer <laughs> sometimes on, on the show absolutely yeah um oh I know where I saw uh Trixie. She was on an episode of both of Watchmen and uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Um, oh cool. So, yeah, she's she's in stuff. Um 
George Hurst, by the way, and that actress, Gerald McCraney, great performance. And even though he represents like soulless capitalism yeah. at its worst, um, that's quite a performance. And it is, and it's a commanding, like he commands the screen when he's on the screen and he's not unfun to watch. Like, even yeah. if you hate him with every bone in your body, because well, that, he is that he can make us hate him that much. In fact, I remember yeah. sort of like shortly after one of the rewatches that I had seeing him in something else and being like, I can't, I can't like this guy. <laughs> That's how good he was at being a villain. Like I started not liking the actor and his other roles. Um, yeah yeah he right like he was one of the guys from simon and simon oh really <laughs> yes <laughs> one of the simons uh oh we didn't talk about eb's performance on uh, the new heart <laughs> show oh uh yeah this is my brother daryl and this is my other brother daryl yeah. i'm larry yeah <laughs> um i put on my list uh silas yep um I, for one i love titus welliver i don't know what it is about him I think yeah. that his his performances are are you you know he's this sort of quiet guy but real you know just very uh powerful I guess like you can tell he 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 gets his shit done and he's not going to take anybody's shit but he's a quiet type right he doesn't talk a whole lot um and Titus Welliver in his other roles like he's in this tv show called bosch which i've mentioned before yeah um, i just i just really like the actor the, yeah the show just kind of abandons him a little bit yeah. like he's really important in the first season and 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 a lot of the second season and then the show just kind of it's it's like it's too much like they already have dan yeah yeah um, right. and 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 their overlap of like loyal competent guy to al yeah dan and silas kind of have to fight out who's going to be the <laughs> you know and it's it's funny when they're doing that at first but then when they kind of work it out there's nothing that much more for silas to do yeah yeah i think you're right there was just too many too many people um i had miss isringhausen uh she was kind of hot (laughs) like the pinkerton uh yeah (laughs) pinkerton yeah she's such a bitch in this show (laughs) she is um <laughs> yeah i had jane i had a lot of yours that weren't yeah. on my list sigh jane i i it, it broke my heart to leave jane off the list yeah um, well i'm glad i included her then because uh, she deserves it yeah um you know there by the way you're sexist for not having trixie on your list uh well i had jane but maybe that's true are you counting Shit. her as a boy is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> um i had on my list um eddie sawyer who who is yeah ricky um, jay ricky jay and i love ricky jay and ricky jay is in a lot of movies as sort of the this kind of guy he runs the tables for psy um he's sort of a tragic figure uh yes very much yeah but i just love ricky jay and he he also died last year um but he's he's gay right like i think that's the the subject psy alludes to him liking young boys Right. Yeah. yeah. Which and and you could just see his heartbreak um, when he says that. Well, it's like he's yeah. he's pulled out the card. He's he's pulled yeah. out like the worst thing he can say um, to to Eddie Sawyer. Um, uh, Ricky Jay was a magician also, and he spent a lot of time in Ithaca. Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. He had that show that was on when I was living in New York for a long time. Like 
Ricky Jay and his 52 assistants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, a, it's, it's amazing. He's in a lot of David Mamet movies. He too. is. David Mamet loves him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. It. That's good. I'm glad you put that in. That's great. Let me read Eliza's because I yeah. said I would. Um, so she also had Trixie as number one. She is not. And also had Ellsworth at number two. Nice. Hmm. Charlie, she had Charlie Utter. Good. At number three. Good Seth Bullock. Good. That's nice for Timothy yeah. Oliphant at number four. And perhaps uh, to make me feel better, Saul Star is number five. <laughs> she, she has real pride. And then who else? Uh, those are the five. So she she oh, she bumped Joni off the list. She's uh, and then she said Trixie number one, Ellsworth number oh, two, okay. Charlie Utter number three, Seth Bullock number four, Saul Star number five. Sorry, I forgot. Good that list. She had put Trixie on the list. Yeah, good list. You know who I'm surprised didn't make one of our lists um, either. May not so surprised, but but I thought he might is Merrick. Yeah, I like Merrick too. Yeah. No good. Like it's just like he's not a top five guy. But he's he plays, an awesome character. Yeah, he's a, he and he plays this Im, a fairly important role in the town, and he is annoying to most people. Uh, he's the the journalist who keeps the he's the the paper of record uh, for Deadwood. Um, yeah, and he is also the principal in Ferris Bueller. So how can you not like? He, him? And he's he's very much the character reminded me of the biographer in Unforgiven. You know, like yeah. a, another stand-in for us, sort of. You know, yeah. but like, but he's a much more likable character than the than the guy from Unforgiven. But he has that same sort of. I'm a writer. I can't like actually deal with what's going on in this town. <laughs> I like the 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 depths that that it will sink is just not. It's not in me either for good or for the bad side. But yeah. I'm trying to do the best that I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Any any final words? No. This is a great show. I hope you, if you've seen it, I hope we did some justice to it in this rather long episode, bonus episode. They're not usually this long, and as we always, don't, unedited. We don't edit them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. I will be. We get a lot of listeners telling us that they watched it on our recommendation, and. Yeah. They are. I cannot. I cannot emphasize how much you won't regret it. There are some shows <laughs> that I think of as amazing, but they're of their time a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and people, but this you, you you will not regret. And other shows like The Leftovers, which is probably the yeah. topic of our next bonus episode, where I love it. I not a hundred percent sure that everybody who watches right. it will love it. Yeah. You know. That's right. Um, cool. All right. Well, join us for another bonus episode. Thank you so much for su- your support. You are literally what this keeps this show going. Thank you. Thank you.